Hi guys, I'm Chris. And I'm Mike. And welcome back to No Limits, a Mitch Rap Podcast. What's new this week, Mike? Hey, not much. Winter break is over. We're we're getting deep into January and uh glad to be doing our final Mitch Rap book review here on the podcast. Right, well, part one of our final Mitch Rap book review, yes. True. It's very exciting. I can't believe this moment came here. I'm glad that you have power. I was really worried that uh, we were going to have to postpone this because my parents are still without power. Oh, man. Uh, they couldn't get out of their subdivision. I don't know if people don't watch the news or whatever. Um, There's a huge snowstorm this past weekend or past week when you hear this in Northern Virginia. And yeah, my my grandma had a friend that was stuck on 95 for 19 hours. Oh, man. Dude. Disaster. All he had was like a was like this like the bottom part of a McDonald's cup full of sweet tea to drink, and then oh, he started yeah. like putting snow in the cup and then putting it on the on the um, roof of the car to melt it, and then he would drink that. Oh my goodness! Yeah, we had about eight inches near me, which to big parts of this country does not sound crazy, but our infrastructure is not ready for that in Northern Virginia. So. Yeah, it shut down the D.C. metro area. Oh, yeah, bad news. Even uh, Senator Kane. I saw Senator that. Tim Kane was stuck on the highway for like, a full 24 hours. Like, uh, He drives himself like two hours like to D.C. every week. That's funny. Yeah, um, it's crazy. Yeah, we got about eight inches, too. I don't know. P- P- so coming from upstate New York, this is nothing. Like, Right, exactly. Everyone exactly. doesn't know how to drive. I feel like everyone needs to go live in you know just do a little summer camp <laughs> up in upstate new york near canada do some driving lessons and then and then approach you know or virginia needs to get on the infrastructure so yeah they're weak down here yeah. man they're weak it's weak <laughs> i'm glad we had a snow day though i'll uh, tell you that yeah that was i i had a federal government was closed which is nice so it reminds it. just one one little thing it reminds me of when i went to england I touched down, and London had the worst snowstorm they had had in 30 years. Like, it's cold in England, but it doesn't doesn't snow that often. I mean, it rains a lot, but mm-hmm. for some reason, it just island weather just doesn't snow. And so, it snowed, and it maybe was four to eight inches, max eight inches. I mean, Gordon Brown, I think Gordon Brown was the prime minister, and it was 2010, and um, he said... People were asking him why he didn't buy sand. He's like, why would I buy sand when I only need it every 30 years? <laughs> that was his response. Oh, my God. It was it was, it was crazy. <laughs> there was like there was snow and ice on the – that would be when you were in, in Rome. Rome. Um, yeah. We had we had a dusting in Italy, and it was unheard of. Like it didn't shut it down or like make it make people go nuts. Mm-hmm. But we were more awed because they just don't get snow in Rome. And really? so it was more, it was just a dusting, but it, it was just kind of cool to see everybody in the city just light up about it. Interesting. But yes, you mentioned this is our, we're getting to our last, we're, let's, let's bring it back in. We're getting to our last book in the series to date. Obviously, any new book comes out, we'll, we'll be talking about it. But for now, this is our last book, Red War, Kyle Mills. It's what I'm calling his... I'm calling this the Russia trilogy, even though like the middle book, they weren't at Russia, but Grisha was was one of the main, I guess, bigger characters in that. So 
definitely like this flows like a three book arc you could feel with with at least Grisha being in all three, right? I don't know, just we could kick it off and say like how what did you think of the first half of this book? Yeah, I'll be honest. I was really enjoying it. It was refreshing and I like Grisha being front and center. He's a character we've liked in the background the last couple of books. We enjoyed meeting. It it was kind of nice to have him fleshed out have a whole storyline, a whole plot with him personally involved, not just as this, you know, robo killer guy. That was cool at first when we met him in 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 the warehouse facing off against Scott. Yeah. But I I think I wanted this next level depth of his character. And boy do we get it here. I think some people would say that's maybe at the expense of more time with Mitch. I don't feel that way. I think if Kyle or anybody else thinks feedback on this book has been too much Grisha, not enough rap, I don't think that's where the flaws come out in the book. I think there's some other things about the plot later on that we're going to get to, particularly in part two. But I actually enjoyed being with Grisha. So I think Krupen's a fantastic villain. I think the people Krupen surrounds himself with create a great cast of characters uh, to be on the bad side, you know, in the bad guys club. He's a great big bad. We haven't had a big bad in a while that truly, you know, scares you to the bones. You know, Vince mm-hmm. was great at mm-hmm. that. Kyle, I, I don't know if we've had that level of big bad. A Krupen definitely raises to that, rises to that. And so, yeah, I, I generally enjoyed where Kyle's going with the story, with the characters, with the setting. What do you think, just generally? Yeah, no, I, I you mentioned this. Um, I actually didn't mind. I didn't. I didn't really think about like the heavy usage of Grisha until you brought it up. I was like, "Oh yeah, that kind of it is." But I, I didn't find myself minding it because I thought that it it brought out some of these conversations that Rap like just wouldn't have with anybody else. Maybe he would have them with Scott, but but Scott's a different person, right. and like they're they're not gonna have deep emotional conversations. And like Grisha's not like trying to have an emotional conversation conversation with Rap, but the parallels in their lives leads to and that's going to be something we're we're going to hit home today is this this idea of this duality between these two two characters and i I feel like since order to kill kyle's been setting that up like this uh you know is is grisha as good as rap is he or is rap you know what what is their stature in you know the, the hierarchy and it's interesting to see how similar these two characters are to each other and i really want to touch about some of those conversations that they end up having and yeah, I, I thought that the first half of the plot was, was fine. I, I could see it where I haven't finished it yet. You have, I don't re- remember the ending, but I could see where some of the things are maybe could come off the wheels with the plot, but you know, so far I'm enjoying it. Yeah. And you know what I do every time I enjoy a book? I like to review that book in the form of a limerick. There once was a dictator named Maxime Krupen, a well-crafted analog for the real Vladimir Putin. He bets NATO is weak, then goes on a kill streak, but Grisha won't go down without shooting. Kyle Mills writes a true geopolitical thriller about Russia's leader with time as his killer. Red War is just fine. A few things do shine. In the end, a bit too much unlikely filler. 
So that was my thoughts, but I know you like to also give us the the stats, right? You got the numbers on what the people thought about Red War. I guess I'm the Steve Kornacki in this situation. There you go. I'm the Amanda Gorman. I'll write the poems. Yeah. You bring the Steve Kornacki analysis. We could have a whole election to inauguration, you know, news media coverage right here. There we go. Yeah. So... Goodreads on this was very interesting. So I went, I did a little deep dive and because we're getting to the end, I wanted to have all of our, we have like a little spreadsheet with all of our books, all of our ratings that we've, we've given, uh, some harsh ones yeah. and all of the Goodreads uh, scores throughout. And for this one, it's a 4.17, which is intriguing because it's the lowest of all of all the books and it's lowest by like a wide, pretty wide margin. And it does have a decent amount of, um, so it wasn't like a outlier in terms of, Right. It, it it's been rated just as many times as just as many times as some of all of Kyle's other books. Obviously not as many as Vince's books cuz you know over time these things just have like people more and more read them, right? And obviously American Assassin has like 80,000. It's crazy. But yeah, and then Amazon a little bit more favorable. I don't know like it's interesting to see these Amazon. I don't know how much I trust these Amazon ratings versus a Goodreads rating. You know, like what 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 do you take? I- I, there's got to be bots involved also is my guess. And then I feel like Amazon is is going to be more a consumer, less of a reader. You know, someone who bought the book or gave it as a gift who go like, oh, I think my son's going to love it. Five stars, you know, or I'm giving this to my, you know, my wife or husband. And, you know, they they just put a rating for their purchase, right? Amazon delivering it was the box intact, you know, whatever. Where Goodreads right, exactly. is going to be, it's like a five stars. I got the book. Right, I got right. yeah. Goodreads is going to be just the readers, the fans of the series, people who are deep into books, reviewing them, posting about them. So I, I, I lean towards a Goodreads score, more of a reader's point of view, and Amazon more as a consumer because that could possibly be the shipping and whatnot as well. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Which I, I'm not sure if this is 100% true, but I know Goodreads is connected with my Kindle. So I'm wondering, is it also an AWS? Um, Good point. Owned by AWS or owned by Amazon? Yeah, Goodreads is an Amazon company. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how if their rating systems are that different. Well, there's a big discrepancy here in the scores, right? 4.6 on Amazon, 4.17 on Goodreads. That's a wide margin. Yeah. It is, and it's only so Amazon has four thousand, almost five thousand ratings, whereas Goodreads I think had close to twelve thousand. So it was just interesting. Like, sorry, we I, I harp on this because you know people have been, or Kyle has said he's gotten a lot of blowback from this, and it, it I guess it shows on the Goodreads score. So yeah. Anyways, the Goodreads summary: When Russian President Maxim Krupin discovers that he is has inoperable brain cancer. He is determined to cling to power. His first task is to kill or imprison any of his countrymen who can threaten him. Soon, though, his illness becomes serious enough to require a more dramatic diversion, war with the West. Upon learning of Krubin's condition, CIA Director Irene Kennedy understands that the U.S. is facing an opponent who has nothing to lose. The only way to avoid a confrontation that could leave millions dead is to send Mitrap to Russia under an impossibly dangerous orders. With the Kremlin's entire security apparatus hunting him, he must find and kill a man many deem to be the most powerful in the world. Success means avo- averting a war that could consume all of Europe, 
but if his mission is discovered, Rap will plunge Russia and America into a conflict that neither will survive. Bum, bum, bum. I feel like that it's a good summary. It's got a lot of the plot. I'm less inclined to talk with you just about the plot and this happened than this happened. And I'm more inclined to pull out some themes because I think Kyle's doing something really unique here with a lot of the themes he brings up. And not necessarily, you know, this chapter to this chapter to this chapter. I don't know. What do you think about that approach? Yeah, no, it's great for me. I mean, essentially, this book starts out with we get reacquainted with Crippen. We get reacquainted with Grisha. Mitch saves Grisha. Mitch saves Grisha again. And and Crippen has some problems with some medical history, or has some medical problems and begins to plot his plan right so. and and in all that Kara Krupa, uh Grisha's girlfriend gets hit shot in the back taken to the hospital she was actually she saved him by bowling over one of that was Krupa's, like super soldiers who's attacking them in Costa Rica yeah she totally tackles him takes him to the ground saving Grisha's life but injuring herself so yeah that's it right president bad Grisha wants to be good president hunt Grisha rap save Grisha Girlfriend in the hospital, rap and Grisha got to go hunt down Crouppen. It's, you know, what it is. But a couple of things come up for me. The way Grisha and rap are compared is one of them. And it kind of had me going back to extreme measures. So I, I wanted to just play this out. I feel like for a number of reasons, this might be Kyle's version of extreme measures. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. And like I said, I didn't think about this until you brought it up, but it completely makes sense. In that book, which also got back or apparently got backlash, I couldn't find anything online, but at least like we've heard from anecdotes from David right. or um, some other people about how they didn't like this emergence of a new main character. Even though I could argue that Mitch is just as much as a main like, they're more more co-main characters than than being subservient to Mike Nash in that book. That's like Grisha and rap here. Exactly. And I, I kind of enjoyed it because I feel like it, it brings a new, <laughs> it brings it. Sorry. My daughter is in the background hiccuping. <laughs> she won't go to bed. Um, it brings a new element to this story that we haven't seen so far. You, you can only have just, you know, rap being the tough, badass guy, every novel, you need to bring some variety to these things. And I, I didn't mind it after having these, two heavy stories where Mitch is the driving force in the narrative, you know? Exactly. And I think with Mike Nash, the way his family is brought into it, it it allowed Vince to explore the human impact of these things on an everyman, you know, that we can identify with, where we can't always do that with rap. And I feel like Grisha with Kara is also hitting on that depth Different than what we've been through with Rap, losing his wife, his unborn child, you know. I feel like Rap and Grisha's discussions about that can take on a new air the same way back with Mike Nash, it took on a new level because Nash was somebody who had a family like most of the readers do. And here, it even gets to the point where Grisha and Rap are sitting in a car. They just came off an op and and they haven't seen or Grisha hasn't seen Carrie yet since she's been shot saving him in this ambush out of the blue and Grisha's he's scared to go in 
He's asking Rap for advice. Oh, shit. What do I say to her? And Rap's like, no, I'm not getting caught in this one. You say whatever you want to say to her. But he basically tells Grisha, like, look, it's not like me and Anna. Anna knew what I did. She knew who I was. We went through the the rockiness of that together in an open way. And one thing Rap says is, Anna had the freedom to choose to be with me, regardless of all that. You didn't give Kara that same freedom. You know, not that you lied to her, but you didn't allow her to make the choice to be okay with who you are and what you do. You denied that to her. So he's like, I'm not going to tell you what to say, but you have to go in there and just say whatever feels right. You can't hide. Exactly. And I thought it was interesting that Mitch is able to talk to Grisha about Anna, which he has not been able to do. And there's even a, a previous conversation where, is it in the hospital? Mm-hmm. Right, right after it. You know, they finally get her from Costa Rica to Bethesda. Or no, it might not be. It's the hospital it, it in Costa Rica. Be. Is it at the hospital in, in Costa Rica? That's what it is. They finally get her to the hospital in Costa Rica, and Mitch goes to see Grisha in an empty bedroom, and Grisha right. flips on him. He fights him. And he asks, he fights him. And I think he causes him to like have a, a cut on the back of his head. But at some point, he brings up his dead wife and the fact that he, you know, he let his wife get killed, essentially. And Rap says, if it was any other man, like they, they or any other person, his last words, that person would have been dead. Yeah, exactly. But the the interesting situation that Grisha's in, and being this ultimate killer like Rap is, you know, is I, I think he even calls or Grisha even calls Mitch the American version of him, yeah. and like Grisha is the Russian version. Of, like they're 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 copycats. They're right. just ones from Russia and ones from the United States. So. Rap has respect for that, and he understands what he's going through. But then, and Rap does clap back and says, "The only difference is Anna died. Kara didn't die, right?" And in that specific instance, Rap says, "Of course, my first inclination, if you bring up that I was responsible for Anna's death, is it would kill you." But he says, "I think Grisha's actually asking because he's in the same boat. It's it's empathetic. Right. He's saying, right." It's not Grisha just bringing it up to burn me. Grisha's actually wondering, how do I get to the other side of living with myself after this? And it's almost like he's looking up to Rap as a mentor because Rap got to the other side. He came through it. And so I think that is just, I think it's really, really, he's really smart for Kyle to put that in. And it goes back to that quote, we were doing the fan appreciation last week. And we mentioned those quotes, people saying, we just want the unhinged rap. I forget the word they use, but it was like uh, impulsive. We want an impulsive, unhinged rap just going out there. I don't want that. (laughs) I want the rap that we already know. And his conversation like this with Grisha is not unhinged. It's not impulsive. It's it's a really, really mature, grown up, not the American assassin, lax bro. And I'm glad Kyle took him to that point. And instead of getting out of conversations like this, thinking, oh, I just need to put him in the next fight. I'm so glad Kyle's brave enough to put things like Grisha and Kara's relationship into Mitch's lap. Yeah. And it it just adds more depth to Mitch's character. Because like I said, there's no other person 
that right. maybe Irene, maybe Irene, he would have a conversation with about this, but that I feel like he's even doubtful. So there's no other place where it would feel right to have, like to even introduce a conversation where we would be able to reach into Mitch's inner psyche, like a little bit more, you yeah. know? So it makes sense to show that here and to allow us to dig deeper into this character that we love. But I will say that like, they're right before the scene that you mentioned where they're back in Bethesda in the hospital. They just had a pretty kick-ass scene in that house oh, in yeah. Russia where Rap does some major totally. killing and like shoots people like through a, through the smoke and through like a, um, what is it? An armoire like full of, he's like, I don't even know what the thing was full of, but it was just burning, burning really different fast. colors. Yeah. I, my, my thing is it was stuffed with money. Like that, that's what I, my, oh, my first thing money, was like, money. it was just stuffed with money and like the, like different color money was, you know, not American money, but like you know, European oh, yeah, notes or something yeah, like that, yeah. dude. So there, there were some pretty badass kills in that house. Is where they go to see the oligarch because they want to know what Krupin's up to, and so obviously they go to one of the most powerful men in Russia that Grisha says really pulls the strings in in the country. You know, in addition to Krupin, there's a small group of yo know, these wealthy businessmen who who run the run the show. So they go to see him, and this might be one of the cooler rap kills and they know they're about to get ambushed in this mansion. He pulls the pin on a grenade, places this guy's body face down. So they'll need to turn him over to ID him. He puts the grenade with the handle still depressed under the dead body. And he goes, the old man owes these guys one last fuck you. He goes around the corner and when the ambush team sees him dead and they want to ID him and flip him over, Boom, the grenade goes off and wipes out this whole team. Like, that was awesome. That was pretty sick. I was disappointed, though, that we didn't have more time with that oligarch. I'm blanking on his name. Chikalov. Um, Chikalov, yeah. He was, like, a huge fanboy yes. of, like, both uh, Grisha and Mitrap. Like, he knew all about him. I guess they said that he has, like, a lot of contacts and he, he knows everything about everybody. But he knew, like... <laughs> You know, he even mentions like the the fact that Rap switched from a Beretta to oh, a Glock. Dude. He knew exactly which gun, which gun. Like he's he is like us, you know. And probably like you know, he's he's uh he's like the Ryan Steck, you know. If Ryan Steck had a character, like that that would be dude, him. It's so know? true. It, Rap's suspicious. Like, why did this guy let us up with these weapons? He knew we were on his property. He knew we were coming. He didn't have any of his guards search us. It's because he wanted to see. He wanted to see and hold Mitch's weapon. And he asked him, I know you switched from the Beretta, but is this the same Glock that you've been using, you know, since you made that change? And Rep's like, nah, I've had to toss a few along the way. And he's like, interesting. Of course, Mitch Rapp would use stock weapons with and not these exotic, you know, fancy attachments. He just wants an old school, straight up kill. And he goes, Grisha over here adds all the fancy exotic attachments and becomes, you know, emotionally connected to his weapon and can't part with it where rap would just use stock throw it away when he doesn't need it go on to the next i just that, that's cool i think he even says of of course it's the man not the we- the man behind the weapon and not, not the, weapon. the weapon itself i love that line exactly the other thing that this guy knew is he knew that stan hurley took a bite out of louis gould on like as he right. was dying like the fact that like he just knows this like probably highly classified stuff i was just like holy shit he almost drops that just 
casually, like just as a fanboy, not even be- to show like, look how connected I am. I'm inside the CIA. I, I know all of this info. He just says it because he wants to bro out with these two awesome, you know, killers that he kind of idolizes. That was that was a funny scene. So that scene is also interesting because you mentioned earlier this book kind of puts Grisha and Rap together, showing they have a lot in common. But while it's doing that, it's also showing their their differences. And this guy in particular, he's saying yeah. how the weapons are set up differently. He even says Grisha would kill in a cold, boring way, but rap is different. He mentions how they each kill different in methodical ways and why he was excited they were both coming together because he didn't want to just die by Grisha's, you know, just boring kind of uh, like killing you like a machine. He knew rap would have some flair if he came to kill him. And then he he also says, or no, in a conversation on the drive up, Grisha's thinking how he's used to fully prepared ops and rap disarms him and just goes, don't worry about it. You know, we're just going to waltz in there and make it up as we go. And Grisha's entirely uncomfortable. He doesn't like improvisation. He doesn't like walking into unknowns. And so in the car where he's kind of concerned by that and raps like, oh, it's all good. We'll just we'll just make it up as we go. It just shows a key difference in their operating mentalities. And, and I like that while these characters are being compared they're really also being contrasted in how they how they operate. Yeah, we've seen Grisha act like that, right? He he was super meticulous in order to kill with, you know, going through with Krupin's mission in Saudi Arabia and every time the president sort of like threw in these these different things it, it caused him anxiety. Right. Yeah, they're they're very different but also very similar and I, I like that we keep coming or the Kyle keeps bringing us back to these these touch points between the two of them. He's so prepared, Grisha, that in Costa Rica, he has everything nailed down, kind of like Rapwood at the the house in Manassas. But yeah, he Rap Rap even says he he installed a similar blast door in his exactly. basement so he could get out. Let's let's talk about that scene a little bit. I liked that jungle scene, and it brought me back to, which I guess is would be Kyle's next book, the Le- Lethal Agent jungle scene, where you know, Rap is fighting or, you know, being chased by somebody and he, he gets over to the high ground and then he, at one point he gets bit by a snake, but like the Kevlar gloves like yeah. save him. And then he like, he's like, all right, he chucks that over and hopefully, hopefully it bites the guy on his way. And then he shoots a freaking grenade launcher at this yeah. dude. Because Grisha had the grenade launcher in like a cache of weapons in case he ever needed to use the blaster out of the <laughs> yeah. southwest corner of the basement. He even had a mattress in the basement. So if you have to blast the wall out, you don't get hit with the shrapnel. You hide behind the mattress. And then right outside is a cache of weapons, including a grenade launcher. Like, and that was also a cat and a mouse game through the woods there. Because Grisha's got to carry Kara. Rap is going to split so that the chasers, you know can't ambush them together. They have to split their forces to go after him. He knows Pushkin will go after the one that he thinks Grisha is. So, yeah, they're they're trying to outsmart this other guy, Pushkin, who, I don't know if I liked his character. It was kind of just like a, a reiteration of who Grisha was. I guess it just shows that Krupin needs his next, you know, bogeyman. But what do you think of this Pushkin guy? Yeah, so, like, it's mentioned multiple times that he, like, 
has the agility and he moves like with his quickness, which were also things that Kyle used to describe right. Risha. And I guess he has a similar backstory, right? And he's on this like special regimen of drugs and he's like a essentially super soldier, a super soldier. Right. It, it kind of reminds me of, I don't, I don't want to say Bucky in, in Captain America because I like that. I like Bucky. More so, you know, I guess it's like T in T2, right? There, there's like a, the one Terminator left, so another one replaces right, him, you right. know? It's it's a trope that, that is, you know, I've, I've, we've seen done before. Yeah. And it's not, not uncommon. So I guess it's, it, it, he was just not interesting to same, me. Same, same, exactly. He didn't have his own, I, I guess we just didn't spend enough time with him. Right. You know, like, we didn't really understand his motivations like we got into the head of Grisha in order to kill and, and then continued to, to get more into his head. You know, I guess it was only really like two chapters in Enemy of the State and then now we're we're really in his head. But um, yeah, he was just Grisha 2.0 or not, not even Grisha 2.0. He was more, more like Grisha 0.5, you know, half of, half of what right. Grisha actually is. I think you're spot on. So yeah, to me, it was just, it was uninteresting. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But it sort of like had to be there, I guess. You need, like, of course Crouppen's going to have the next person up fill the role. So I guess you need to do it. Just left me wanting. Although, okay, if Pushkin kind of fell flat, there's another character that is just ridiculously well-crafted. I think the backstory on this guy and the way he's brought in is fantastic. And that's Andrei Sokolov. Oh, yes. He's probably like one of the highlights of the first half. Absolutely. This dude is fucking crazy. Fucking He's crazy. a crazy dude. So Krupin basically needs somebody he trusts. Yeah. All right. So we haven't even gotten to the, I guess, the elephant in the room, right? That we kick it off. Krupin is, Russia is in chaos. He's slipping. He's have we, 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 we know he's having these migraines. He's having like some, I mean, he thought like Parkinson's or whatever, you know, like shaking having trouble remembering things and then then we find out that he has this tumor and that he has and that at first they believe it's benign but then they realize it's cancer and he only has six months to live and they have to do all this stuff and this leads to a bunch of different hijinks in the mountains of russia where he kidnaps all of these it's essentially a kidnap of all of these medical right. professionals as well as kidnaps other patients, patients, Russia, <laughs> Russian citizens who have similar conditions to him. So they could like, this is all, um, the general, uh, idea to, to test, uh, these other patients to see how they would react before they actually try it on the president. But yeah, he needs someone to trust. He needs like a right hand man because one, he can't trust his doctor because the, the doctor, like the doctor just put, put some medicine into him and kill him. So he needs someone that, and he knows that his power is he can't look weak. Right. And that's that's his big thing. Like he can't be weak. So by bringing in this the Sokolov guy, it, it's sort of like a slow progression to realizing that Sokolov is crazy. Because when we first meet him, he's just this like sort of mild mannered guy. Although it is mentioned that he's he's wanted for war crimes uh, casually. You know. Yeah. So actually, his background <laughs> is ridiculous. He was wanted for war crimes in in Georgia. So if you think of like a pretty sore spot in Russian power and Russian ego, it's Georgia, right? And the, the, the Chechens and the breakaway and the terrorists, 
And so he apparently went into Georgia and just started like indiscriminately just wiping people out. So he was wanted for war crimes. Krupen had to fire him, essentially say he had no more power in the army. He was being demoted just as a way to kind of clear his name so he wouldn't go down that path. And he became almost this like philosopher king. I know. That was interesting. He picked up chess. He, he like reads scientific articles. Right. And, yeah, does chess. He's keeping and... a map of all Russian troop movements. Even though he's not on the inside, he's trying to put together from scraps of clues in the news and Western media so he can stay abreast. And then when Krupin comes in and, and crashes his home, he moves his chess pieces around on this board to show where the actual Russian troops are in Ukraine. Where they actually are. And Sokolov's like, hmm, so I was right about that one. But I missed that one. They're actually over here. So he's like wargaming. What he what the the role that was taken away from him, he can't give it up. He's still like wargaming it out in his in his bunker in his house. I thought there was this funny line, a sort of throwaway, but I thought it was funny how he 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 says doctors are he cr- criticizes doctors because the doctor like won't won't try these things. He's like they're not real scientists, right. and like you know a true a true scientist would do all these experiments. Which sometimes I think about that. You know, it's like I do as a scientist myself. I do all these experiments, and yeah, they may lead to something, but will it ever be translation translationally done? Probably not. Whereas, so Sokolov reads this paper, and it's like, ooh, I'm going to try that on the president. Wait, no, I can't. I can't try it on the president. I'm going to try it on a random Russian citizen, and if they die, who cares? He doesn't care about the consequences or the human impact. He cares about the idea. You know. It's like what communism was, like the ideas of Marx and Lenin, like, okay, maybe that sounds right, and maybe equality was the goal, but he doesn't care that in practice it becomes Stalinism, you know? It becomes ethnic Mm -hmm. cleansing. It becomes the purge. It becomes famines. He's so focused on, but we're experimenting with an idea, and he's okay with that. He was a propaganda chief. You know, he was like a Goebbels or somebody. That's a dangerous position for someone that fantastical in their mind. But what you said about science makes me think of one of my favorite Gandalf quotes I had to look up. Little Lord of the Rings here. He that breaks a thing to find out what it is has left the path of wisdom. I feel like Sokolov would just break everything, experiment on everything, not care about the consequences. And as Gandalf says, that's a sure way to leave the path of wisdom. That's a sure way to leave the path. All right. Well, that's the first thing you have to do in science. You have to break it in order to figure out what it is. So Right. But we also need ethics. In the sciences, uh, yeah, what can yes, you break? Very true. This is you very, can experiment on some things, but true. you want to ask, what am I breaking for the sake of knowledge? No, very true, very true. Yeah, you, you mentioned this this idea thing. It, it, I think it's even brought up that uh, he's a, a fact of old Russia, and he believes in this good old days of of the you know the USSR, like, and that is the main sticking point. To where I believe we're going down this crazy path of this plot right. that he brings up, at, like sort of at the end of where we're going to talk about today, and his plot, which Krupen had a plot, which is very similar to what's going on right now in today's society in terms of this Russian troop buildup in yeah. Ukraine. So Krupen had the idea to, you know, in, in in concert with a bunch of propaganda that the Ukraine is is doing bad stuff to the native Russians that live in Ukraine. They're going to invade Ukraine, take over. Hopefully that will stop and prevent 
you know, any sort of NATO action caused people, you know, essentially the downfall of NATO or what he believes might be lead may lead to the downfall yeah. of NATO. But Sokolov wants to take it one step exactly. further and definitively get to the downfall of NATO. I don't know. And as a, I'm reading this, and as a, I know you're a geography teacher, I'm like, you must be loving all this description of dude, uh, the Baltics and Finland. I didn't realize Finland's not part of the uh, not, not part of oh, NATO. No, because if they were, that'd be a huge deal with the Russians. But yeah, the Russians and the Finns. Yeah, huge history of whether they should be closer aligned to Europe or they should still be within Russia's umbrella. Yeah, very contentious. And so you're right, Ukraine is almost going to be the red herring of Russia's always postured there. I mean, even before 2014 and the annexation of Crimea. But yeah, the Sokolov guy now wants to take it so far as going to the Baltics, independent countries, full members of NATO, because Ukraine is not. He wants to invade Latvia, Estonia, and Lithuania, which is just bizarre by modern standards for someone to be contemplating that. And the big reason for that is Article 5. So most of you probably know this, but you you, you called me out, Chris, as the, the geography nerd. Article 5 in the North Atlantic Treaty, which is the document forming NATO, it's the clause that states if any one country is invaded or attacked, it shall be constituted as an attack on the whole of NATO. So you can't go to you right. can't go to war with one country of NATO. You'll be at war with all 30 whatever of them. The idea was that will keep the balance of power and prevent what Sokolov wants to do here. But he and Krupin are willing to take the gamble that no one's going to enforce Article 5. And if NATO has no enforcement and can't defend its members, the whole alliance will fall apart and be rendered useless. That's the big gamble that basically Putin and all the the pressure that they're putting on their border with Norway, their relationship with Finland, the Baltic states, Poland, Ukraine, when he took Crimea in 2014, and when the whole Ukrainian civil war broke out, the big question was, he's doing this in a non-NATO country. Would NATO respond if he did it in a NATO country, in Poland, in Latvia, in Lithuania? And Kyle's playing with that idea. It's like a Brad Thor. Like, I feel like I'm reading a Brad Thor novel here. I was going to bring this up. Wasn't there a whole Article 5 plot in a Brad there Thor novel? There had to have been. Uh, yeah, I don't recall specifically. There had to have been. So Brad Brad loves these, you know, the geopolitical Absolutely. stuff, like with that kind of stuff. That That's his, that's his stick. Then there, uh, there's definitely like how I first heard about Article Five was probably you know I'm not a geography person was reading a Brad Thor book. I'm, what, what, once we get to that book, if if we ever get to those books, um, we'll, we'll, that'll come up. But yeah, this is crazy to me, and he's banging on. So the, uh, this is came out in 2018, right? Right. So now we're talking the Trump era. Yeah, Kyle has all these things that are sort of, and he's writing it in 2017, or you know, starting to write in 2017. So that's the first year of the Trump presidency. That's is that Brexit happening? Because he mentions Brexit in that. So yeah, I guess Brexit Brexit happened in in this yeah twenty sixteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he'll be writing this a year after Brexit, right? He mentions that Hungary and Poland are becoming more authoritarian, uh, and now they've only become even more authoritarian. Oh, he also mentions uh, Turkey becoming authoritarian and turning inward. He mentions a lot of things 
that are happening directly, you know, one-on-one parallels, you know, taken from our society. It's just very interesting to see the headspace that he was in and, and how he incorporates, you know, our our universe into Mitch's universe. Right. I mean, listen to how Crouppen's breaking down everything you just said. Crouppen almost sounds like Putin. Listen to some of these quotes. Yeah, it does. And I don't know about you, but this eerily seems, for the series, a bit too on the nose, too close to home. Uh, listen to this quote. The world is so complex that the average person is no longer able to understand it. In the face of that, they can be counted on to retreat into tribalism, nationalism. People need something to hate to reinforce their own identities. And it's the internal threats, the people they interact with every day, whom they hate and fear most. Is that 2020 in a nutshell? Yeah, I mean, Kyle's always been a little bit of an Nostradamus, so at least with his last couple books, so... And just Ukraine popping up again? Okay, and then we want to talk about Putin because he's also writing this, what did we say, the first or second year of, of the Trump presidency. So there's it's right in the midst of Russia's interference with our election, Putin as a dictator. You know, he also, he changed the constitution right around that time to eliminate the term right, limits. to become, to go from prime minister to president or back, or from president to prime minister, I forget which one. Yeah, I forget which one, but it was, oh no, it was, so he's president and it was two consecutive terms as president. He served both those consecutive terms, had appointed, or he got Dmitry Medvedev to be elected to president and the president gets to appoint the prime minister. So who did Medvedev appoint as prime minister? Putin. So Putin got to be prime minister in between. And oh, you know, it said two consecutive terms, so I can run again. So after his stint as prime minister, he then went back to president and did another two terms, but he had changed it to six-year terms instead of four-year terms. So he had two four-year terms. He had a stint as prime minister. Then he changed the constitution to allow him another two six-year terms. And then didn't he just change it again so he can run for a third term? Just in 2020, they changed it again to say the two term limits only applies to uh, henceforth. It doesn't apply to current or former leaders. They're not beholden to the two-term limit rules we just made, giving himself another two terms of six years, so another 12 years, because the law didn't apply retroactively. The term limits didn't apply to him yet because it was a new law. New term limits, new law. So he's got another 12 years. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, Kyle's really hidden home here and bringing up everything directly that is happening in present day Russia. Like it's just, it's not even like trying to mask it at all. It's, it's straight word for word, you know, what, what is going on. And I, I, I wanted to ask you, how do you feel about that? Being so present in your summer beach read? Yeah. You know? <laughs> so I enjoy it. I like nerding out about it. So when I'm reading about NATO and the difference between the Russian president and prime minister, which one's the figurehead who actually has the power. The answer is, by the way, whichever one Putin is, is the one with the power. Yes, of course. So I enjoy it. But that's another thing. There's these protests going on. And and what's the guy's name? Alexei, um, <sighs> the guy, the guy who got, uh, uh Prokhorov? Um, no, the Novichok, the Novichok, like, uh, toxin yeah, yeah, yeah. In his underpants. Uh, Navalny, Alexei Navalny. Navalny, Alexei Navalny. But here you yeah. get a guy like him leading these protests, 
and exactly. Putin just unleashes exactly. the troops and just slaughters them in the streets. It's like a Tiananmen Square or something. And just like, again, 2020 with the protests. And I think there's a line even somewhere that he would get a thrill from seeing the police crack the skulls of a bunch of lump, young liberal, I don't know, something about, here it is. Sure, as hardcore supporters would get a thrill from seeing the police bust a bunch of young liberal heads, but the blowback, both internal and external, would hit hard. He doesn't care about Russia, or his people, or his family, or his friends. All he cares about is staying in power, and it's hard to blame him. My retirement's going to be about getting paid half a million dollars to make a speech and playing too much golf. Dude, this is in the Trump era. Protesters getting off on beating liberals, you know, watching the police beat them in the streets, retiring a million dollars for a speech and playing golf. Like it's it's crazy. It's really crazy. So I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed this kind of stuff. Yeah, no, I I liked it. I it just was something that was interesting to me that I wanted to ask you because I don't know, sometimes I feel like if I want to get away from society and so I could see how maybe Kyle, maybe Kyle with his latest book tried to put more of this stuff and then it was taken out. Whereas here it was left in, you know, like be, you could see the the differences there. Yeah, that's true. Oh, well, do you think he's wanted to go down this path or do you think Red War he knew was a little divergent from his bread and butter in that a lot of the Stan Beeman stuff was FBI. Kyle's moved largely away from that in the Mitrap series. Some of his earlier books, scientific research, biology, viruses actually, kind of like nerdy stuff, that comes through in Lethal Agent and Total Power. I feel like, do you think he he deliberately with Red War went geopolitical a little outside of his wheelhouse, or do you think that's that's something he he likes doing and wanted to do? I don't know. I feel like he's still maybe finding what he wants to do with the series at this moment because he had, he had the survivor, which was just, he had to like complete a story. And then he had order to kill, which was like almost like a Memorial day. Right. If you, if you, if you want to think about that, it's, it's very similar. There's this plot of of a nuclear destruction that's going to happen. Mitch has to save the day. I mean, I, I hate to like be like, Oh, he's just, he's copying tropes from the earlier author but I don't know, it's just the first thing that pops in my head but yeah I mean you even made the comparison to today how this feels like a, a, his version of Extreme Measures putting a, a different character so I don't know he's just I feel like he's trying things and yeah. each of these each of these books have been drastically different that's how crazy this is true. if you think about this I wanted to bring that up then it moves to from this lethal agent completely different then total power completely different and then we're back to maybe something of resembling this with uh, but now it's internally with uh, enemy at the gates mm-hmm. that's interesting isn't that interesting that's very interesting because something i really liked when we started reading kyle's books even if it was a loose thread how there was connective tissue and a thread running through the stories if you think about survivor Obviously, it connects to The Last Man, Ahmed Taj, the Pakistanis, and all that. But then you definitely have Order to Kill, Enemy at the Gates, being connected, Grisha a little bit in there, also the Saudi nuke 
going off and the nuke plot connects the two. You then have Syed Halabi, Syed Halabi being brought back from enemy of the state. He does come back in Lethal Agent, but Red War is kind of this disconnect. I feel like something I really liked that Kyle started out with was the books bleeding into one another and kind of being dependent upon one another. And now that I look at it, I don't know if I would say disappointing, but it's almost too staccato. Lethal Agent Virus. Total power, grid. We don't even see the election that was mentioned in Lethal Agent. Um, it just kind of dropped. And total power, we still have Alexander. And then, without even getting the election, we just jump into the cooks in Enemy at the Gates. And Grisha's just gone. So that, that that's gone. Uh, I Yeah, maybe you're right. These last three books just haven't connected enough for me. They might work as standalones. Maybe. I don't know. They're trying to sell them to, to new readers who can just not have any of the backstory of the series, maybe? I don't know. But yeah, it loses kind of the edge of what I've loved the series for and what I've loved about Kyle's earlier works. Yeah, we haven't really had that. These books have all been disjointed a little bit now that I think back over the last three. Yeah, it just popped in my head. And it's also the way we we ended up reading these because we... We jumped to Lethal Agent right right before Total Power because we wanted to do this thing. So like we ended up oh, we read Lethal Agent. I loved it. Um, you you really oh, enjoyed yeah. it, and then we read Total Power. Not as high on that one, and now we're finally getting back to all of these Kyle books in progression. And then it just dawned on me like, whoa! Right after this book, we then jumped to Lethal Agent. And it's just like that's crazy. I mean, I, the thread there is Halabi, right? The thread there is. You know, but that's a villain from two, two books right. ago. So part two, we got to get into this. When we wrap up Red War, let's see if we're satisfied where it ends leading into Lethal Agent. Because thinking back to it, I don't remember how I felt at the time when I went from Red War to Lethal Agent in 20, I guess, what, 19? I think because I just loved Lethal Agent so much, I wasn't looking for that that connection. But now mm. that I, I want it and it's not there, it's a little, little underwhelming. So when we wrap up the book next week, let's try to think about how it ends and if we feel like that's a good transition to bring us into Lethal Agent. Yeah, no, that's good. There, there's one other thing I want to I want to bring up before we, we get out, um, unless you had any other things with the plot that you wanted to bring up, but. And you you wrote this down too in the notes. This idea of coincidences. Oh yeah. And to me, this is this is National Treasure, Mission Impossible, meets Mitch Rap. I love those two things, but the fact that all right, Kyle is or not Kyle, uh, Mitch is comes to save Grisha or get Grisha as soon as the Russians are there, right? And then I guess. Mitch does like I I kind of like we didn't talk about that scene where the the gas station scene in Russia where Mitch like tracks him down and he's like he's taken over this gas station that he knows Grisha is going to stop at this gas station to get gas in this random rural town. I mean, what if Grisha had like already filled up and had a, a couple more tanks? That that was my, my my thing. But that's another coincidence. I like the dialogue there though because he's like Grisha doesn't trust rap that much and he's like, "Well, tell your men to come on." He's like what man I'm here by myself I don't have a, like he didn't have his gun out like that saved the scene a little bit there and then the third thing is coincidence 
I this is like just straight out of like a I don't know crappy action movie where they get to the guy and then Chikalov. As they're talking, they hear helicopters right. and boom, you know. Yeah. I guess we knew that the guy that the that Pook I, there's so many like kins and uh pushkin krupin Sokolov, what's the P- pushkin there we go <laughs> i'm not very good um, if you th- thought i was bad with the uh with the islamic names or uh, you know the middle eastern names i am very bad <laughs> with the russian names but pushkin uh we knew that he was coming you know the the two chapters before that sort of set him up that we knew this was coming to a head but i just felt like it was just like i don't know the the coincidences were a little much for me. I'm in a hundred percent agree with you. That's that's got to be my my loser of of the first half. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if we're doing winners and losers, I enjoyed the geopolitical stuff. I enjoyed the Grisha and rap stuff. Their parallels, their differences, their emotional connection and depth. The the coincidences. The first time when it happened in Costa Rica. Okay, there's like a line that says that's happened before Kennedy got intel that the power grid going down in Costa Rica was actually a Russian plot. And we thought, who lives in Costa Rica? Grisha. Let's go. There was reason for Rap to be there at that time. Sure. I kind of wrote that coincidence off. And then when he randomly stumbles on him at the gas station, I knew you were coming here. How'd you know he was coming there? And then Shikalov takes this call or something and is like, oh no, I think Krupin's going to get me. Hel- cue the helicopter sounds, you know, coming over the mountain. They're coming for me. Right as Rap and Grisha kind of walk in. It hit me over the head that many times with the coincidences. I'm going to put you on the loser list. Elf on the shelf, naughty or nice. There it is. You know, it's, it was. It didn't work. It didn't work. Um, unfortunately, Chris, I think you're in for some more similar bizarre things like that in part two. It gets a little wild. Uh, just wait till you get to the <laughs> nature conservationist stuff. I'm not even going to touch that yet. But um, unfortunately, yeah, I'm with you. That's that's a loser here. But I, I didn't say my winners. But yeah, I agree with you that the conversations we get between Rap and Grisha. And I don't know. I was, I'm digging the first part of this plot. You know, like the, the idea and the geopolitical stuff. I, I, I like it. But like I said, I, I can see where these cracks are forming and and how it could could sort of go off rails. We've done this before where where if you own it's interesting it's an interesting experiment to do is read half the book think about it think about how you like it and then finish it and then see did it live up to its first half expectations, right. you know? Or did it get better? Did we it get worse? did that with was it Order to Kill where we really were jiving on the first half? Because we hadn't read the second half yet. Exactly. Neither yeah, of us exactly. had. Neither of us had. So we're kind of amped up. And we were reviving on that pod. We were reviving on and, that yeah, pod. Yeah, dude. And then we came back for the second half. We were like, so about that. <laughs> it was like it was like a big exhale. You know? it, yo, here's a question, though. Since, like, literally our fourth or fifth episode of this podcast, we kind of hinted at sometimes the endings of Mitch Rap books are not the best. I remember with Transfer of Power, we kind of thought that. We had a problem with Transfer of Power's ending. I'm wondering if, do you think it's a theme overall that in the series, they don't have as strong of endings as some other series? 
I don't know. So this is something that comes up a lot, not only in books, but in movies and TV shows. It's hard to end things. You know, people talk about, I listen to a lot of, I, I love Marvel. And sorry, I bring it up a lot because I, I, that's one, one of my passions is Marvel and comic books. But people argue that Marvel and the MCU have, have a third act problem. Mm. And it's now bleeding into their TV work. And they don't have, they have a problem with season finales. And I, I think it's just hard to end things. You know, people had a problem with the Game of Thrones ending. People had a problem with the Lost ending. People had a problem with the Harry Potter ending. I mean, I'm sure people had a problem with that. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's probably the it's easier to keep going than it is to end and to, to end a story, yeah. right? So, although yeah, that's true. And another counterpoint to what I kind of just said is, we also liked when the Mitrat books have those 50 pages of nonstop race to the finish line. So, some books definitely have delivered in that final closeout. I think of Lethal Agent, you know, as one. So. Yeah, and then sometimes Consent the epilogues. To kill. We love the ending of that. Sometimes the epilogues were hit or miss. Yeah, sometimes it's like the epilogue's not right. needed. I would rather just just finish like the last book. Right. The uh, we we talked about that in in uh, Enemy of the, right, the States, right? right. right? Yeah. So um, mixed bag with endings and epilogues and closing out. I think Memorial Day's ending is pretty right, good. Right. Oh yeah, one of the best. Consent to Kill's ending is, you know, that you love that blog awesome, of right. that. With the incendiary grenade down the throat in Spain. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, no, like, I think there's goods and there's bad ones. It's, just, it, it's, it's hard to end things. It's a mixed bag, yeah. All right. Yeah. All right, so let's get out of here. Next week, we are going to be bringing to you our final book rating of this pod for now. Finishing up Red War. Uh, we have to thank our patrons, including our special operator, Sherry F., our special agents, Kevin, George, Matt, Don, Dennis, Peggy, Catherine, Ray, Bridget, Jeff, and Mark. Please subscribe, rate, and review using your favorite podcasting platform. You can find us online at midtrappod.com or using Twitter and Instagram at midtrappod. And as always, just at Mitch, be Mitch. Just a disclaimer, this podcast is not affiliated with Vince Flynn, Kyle Mills, or Simon & Schuster, but thank you to them for bringing us the wonderful world of rap. And the music soundtrack is Gorilla Tactics by Raphael Crooks.